Chapter 4 The Mind of the New Man Rooted in Christ The believer is directed to avoid philosophy which is rooted in worldly, humanistic, and non-Christian presuppositions. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 Instead, he is called to be rooted in Christ and established in the faith. Verse 7 His presuppositions must be precepts and doctrines of Christ, not the futile traditions of men. Verses 3, 4, 22, chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. This precludes the claim to neutrality and prohibits seeking after it. Neutrality is in actuality veiled agnosticism or unbelief, a failure to walk in Christ, an obscuring of Christian commitment and distinctives, a suppression of the truth. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 and verse 25. Thus, Paul commands us to be rooted in Christ and to shun the presuppositions of secularism. In verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2, he explains very simply how we should go about having our lives, including our scholarly endeavors, grounded in Christ and thereby ensuring that our reasoning is guided by Christian presuppositions. He says, As therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That is, walk in Christ in the same way that you received him. If you do this, you will be established in your faith, even as you were taught. How then did you become a Christian? After the same fashion, you should grow and mature in your Christian walk. When one becomes a Christian, his faith has not been generated by the thought patterns of worldly wisdom. The world, in its wisdom, knows not God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 but considers the word of the cross to be foolish 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 and verse 21b if one keeps the perspective of the world then he shall never see the wisdom of god for what it really is thereby he will never be in Christ Jesus who is made unto believers wisdom from god 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 hence faith rather than self-sufficient sight makes you a Christian, and this trust is directed towards Christ, not your own intellect. This is to say that the way you receive Christ is to turn away from the wisdom of men, the perspective of secular thought with its presuppositions, and gain, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12-16 through 16. When one becomes a Christian, his faith stands not in the wisdom of men, but in the powerful demonstration of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4-5 through 5. Moreover, what the Holy Spirit causes all believers to say is, Jesus is Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and ascended in order that he might be confessed as Lord. Romans chapter 14, verse 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. Thus, Paul can summarize that message which must be confessed if we are to be saved as Jesus is Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 To become a Christian, one submits to the Lordship of Christ. He renounces autonomy and comes under the authority of God's Son. The one whom Paul says we receive, according to Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, is Christ Jesus the Lord. As Lord over the believer, Christ requires that the Christian love him with every faculty he possesses, including his mind. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Every thought must be brought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Consequently, when Paul directs us to walk in Christ after the same fashion in which we received him, 
we can see at least this much. The Christian walk does not honor the thought patterns of worldly wisdom, but submits to the epistemic lordship of Christ, i.e., his authority in the area of thought and knowledge. In this matter, a person comes to faith, and in this manner, the believer must continue to live and carry out his calling, even when he is concerned with scholarship, apologetics, or schooling. If the Christian will evidence commitment to Christ's personal lordship and presuppose the word of the Lord, then he will be walking in Christ after the manner in which he received him. Hereby, you will be rooted in him, rather than rooted in the apostate presuppositions of worldly philosophy, and we shall be able to behold the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 5. Such firm, presuppositional faith in Christ will resist the secular world's demand for neutrality and reject the unbeliever's standards of knowledge and truth in favor of the authority of Christ's word. This faith will not be plundered of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in Christ, and will not be deluded by the crafty speech and vain deceit of secular philosophies. Verses 3-8 through eight. Therefore, the unqualified precondition of genuine Christian scholarship is that the believer, along with all his thinking, be rooted in Christ. Verse 7. Interestingly, the verb tense of the Greek, for rooted, in this verse suggests an action which has been accomplished in the past but continues in force or effect in the present, which is precisely Paul's point in verse 6. The principles which apply to the Christian's walk, inclusive of his thought, are the same which applied to his previous reception of Christ at conversion. The Christian scholar, having been rooted in Christ by renouncing the authority of secular wisdom for the Lordship of Christ, must carry out his scholarly endeavors by continuing to be rooted in Christ in the same fashion. Therefore, the new man, the believer with a renewed mind that has been taught by Christ, is no more to walk in the intellectual vanity and darkness which characterizes the unbelieving world. Read Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 through 24. The Christian has new commitments, new presuppositions, a new Lord, a new direction and goal. He is a new man. That newness is expressed in his thinking and scholarship. For, as in all other areas, Christ must have the preeminence in the world of thought. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18b. We must concur with Dr. Cornelius Van Til in saying, It is Christ as God who speaks in the Bible. Therefore, the Bible does not appeal to human reason as ultimate in order to justify what it says. It comes to the human being with absolute authority. Its claim is that human reason must itself be taken in the sense in which Scripture takes it, namely, as created by God and as therefore properly subject to the authority of God. The two systems, that of the non-Christian and that of the Christian, differ because of the fact that their basic assumptions or presuppositions differ. On the non-Christian basis, man is assumed to be the final reference point in prediction. The Reformed method begins frankly from above. It would presuppose God, but in presupposing God, it cannot place itself at any point on a neutral basis with the non-Christian. Believers themselves have not chosen the Christian position because they were wiser than others. What they have, they have by grace alone. But this fact does not mean that they must accept the problematics of fallen men as right or even as probably or possibly right. For the essence of the idea of Scripture is that it alone is the criterion of truth. 
A Christian Theory of Knowledge, Presbyterian and Reform Publishing Company, 1969, pages 15, 18, and 43.